0: Welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline podcast. My name is Neil here with Matthew Statler, and we are back at it again. Man, you know, I've really enjoyed this uh, series. We've been talking about worship. Uh, We've talked about corporate and family worship. And, you know, I think I think it was Brad Bigney who said. um, Idolatry starts with a gospel drift and. Mm And. I really like that idea, not the idea, but the statement, because when we talk about worship, um, whether it's in a corporate context or in a private context or in a in a home, um, we, we have to maintain, uh, purity and security around this gospel so that these other gods or other pursuits don't start to, um, infect what is good, true and beautiful, and uh I just love that idea. So today we're gonna talk more specifically about private worship. So we've given we've laid out the case, right? The necessity of corporate worship, the necessity of family worship, what the what what should govern the way we do some of those things biblically? Um, and then what is the the aim or purpose for each of these deals? Um but today we're gonna talk more um Intentionally about men, you and the
1: Lord as an individual, uh, which I think is just so important. I think we want to be careful not to silo these either. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so family worship is not a silo from corporate worship, corporate worship is not a silo from individual. These are all symbiotic relationships, they're feeding each other. Yes. Right. And so, my family worship, we discuss things. Um about the sermon. We discuss things that we've learned. Um, And then my individual worship will pour into my Sunday worship. And then my Sunday worship or corporate worship will pour into my individual. I mean, it's just, it's all back and forth. So yeah, we're not saying separate these things in your mind, yeah, um, yeah. but they're like stepping, they're like stairs. Yeah. And we step, each step we take, we're increasing our level of delight in our, in our God. And, um, joy in the Lord in our daily,
0: yeah, and maturing into Christ, right? Like all That's three right. of these areas are a part of the sanctification process. They they're a part of this maturation process. I love that you you drew that out. That the, these things aren't silos. You know, uh, Donald Whitney, who wrote a great book on spiritual disciplines. He's written stuff on family worship, et cetera, et cetera but he asked once uh, how in the world can anyone walk out of a worship service where God has been exalted and they claim they have met with God and say well I don't need any more of that for a week <laughs> like the the corporate worship should feed into our private devotion And our private devotion should feed into our family worship and family devotion, where we want to tell our kids and our spouses about the things that God is doing in our lives and teaching us. So we teach, we teach out of that. You know, I hate to say it like this because I always hear it in bad context, but out of the overflow in our heart, as the Lord is saturating our heart with truth, and uh, we are worshiping Him, and it impacts all the other. And then I would also add, man, when your kids, you know, go back on family worship, when your kids are learning to sing praises to God and you as a family are doing this almost like little church thing. And then you go into the corporate service. It's like the kids are, the the pump has been primed, right? Like they're singing loud. They are listening they are looking for the golden nuggets from the Lord to apply to their lives. Well, how did they get there? Well, you taught them in the home.
1: And how do you get there? Well, you you have worked on it as an individual as well. And Neil, just another component of this. This is not some kind of like drudgery or duty, um, but this is us getting to know the triune God. Uh, and, and it's like we learn, we get to know any other person if you only talk to a person once a week, you really rarely get to know that person. Um, but this is a regular, um, repeating goal of getting to know and delighting in, um, the three person God. And, and I think for me that I have to say it because it's easy for me to say, Oh, I got to I got to do this Bible reading, or I got to do this meditation, or I got to, you know, memorize these verses so that I'm not such a a, a doofus, right? <laughs> uh, but the reality is, for me, no, this is me getting to delight in the one whom I love. Yeah, it's a and, privilege. And it's a privilege. It, yeah, it's it's a privilege. It's a joy, uh, and that's what motivates me into this. Uh, not because it's some duty for me to raise my children or a duty for me to to go to corporate worship because it says don't neglect the assembling of the saints or no, this is me enjoying that. Yeah, we joyfully do these things. Yeah, Uh, because we were dead
0: and have been made alive by the work of Christ. (laughs) And
1: so, man, like that should drive us towards him, you know. And God is our greatest happiness. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, you know, I don't maybe some maybe Piper probably says it best, but God is most satisfied in our glorified, it, um, God is most it. glorified um in us when we're most satisfied in him. Yes. Uh, and, and I and I think that's 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 right. I think that's right and that's true. To live as Christ and to die as gain. And um that nothing in this world holds anything for me when I'm delighting in in my savior and my Lord. And hmm. Amen. Amen. So let's get in on this private worship
0: stuff. Um, you know, I think, um, let me kind of set the stage here. I believe convictionally that the, the people of God have as a whole grown more and more ignorant and, um, what's the word i'm looking for uh illiterate illiterate um and the result the fruit of that ignorance and illiteracy has Biblical given illiteracy. has given birth to um pastors who are false teachers who are leading falsely who are making a mockery of our holy uh and just god um that worship services have become um, the worship of men services and not the worship of God. People are not being trained or equipped for the work of ministry. They don't know how to share their faith. They don't know how to read and study their Bible. They don't know how. uh, It's almost like I just feel like the enemy has... Had his way, at least in the church in America um, or in the West in general, uh, because we are in an epidemic regarding private worship. It doesn't really exist. You know, Matt, we both counsel a lot of people, right? And Mm -hmm. in my first couple of sessions I do with someone, I try to discern what their legitimate spiritual rhythms are. And 10 times out of 10, here's what i find out and you can echo this if this is your findings as well they're not reading their bible they don't know how to read their bible there is only foxhole prayers meaning i'm in trouble lord help me um they're maybe sporadic in fellowship in church and in you know community groups or whatever bible study type of things that the church has to offer f- for them. And there is no song being sung to our Lord. It doesn't exist.
1: Uh, what about you? That's been my findings. Yeah, I think, I think that's, it's interesting to me. The majority of my counseling cases are non-church members um, because they're the ones that are coming are either not part of a local body Um, Or maybe they're an online only or an occasional in-person visitor. And what, like you said, what I've found is there's a lack of corporate worship, which really in many ways is a lack of uh, personal or individual worship. Uh, And a lot of our time is spent learning how to read the Bible, um, where to start, and um, it, it is sad because there's so many rich resources available to us, but there's like you said, there's a lack of motivation, maybe a biblical illiteracy uh and and we just it's it's hurt it, it's sad to watch that the yeah. sheep are so malnourished,
0: yeah, I hear all the time like, man, when I read my Bible, I have no clue what I'm reading, yeah,
1: like yeah. how have
0: you professing Christian for ten plus years not been taught? to read your bible you know and and you know it's not like there's some special or secret knowledge when you read the bible
1: it's just like reading for comprehension like people lack this and 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 we're not trying to to guilt anybody about this but to tell you there's a truer and better way um, exactly that is that is much better for you and and and, and frankly, it's just laziness and ignorance. Yeah. Uh, because if I want to learn something, there are a million YouTube videos on how to do things. If I want to cook uh, a meal, all I have to do is go on to Dr. Google, pull up uh, rec- or Chef Google, uh, pull up a, a recipe and I can follow that and make some kind of meal. Uh, but it's just we're so entertained to death by these lesser things. Yeah. So if you're, if you're listening, you're like, man, that's, that's me. I don't know how to read my
0: Bible. I don't, you know, I don't even know what it looks like to pray, not foxhole prayers, like whatever. Um, You don't go to Google. You don't go to YouTube. You go to your church. That's right. That's, that's where you're meant to be discipled. That's where God, that's his design. And if your church says, we don't know how to disciple people, ding, ding, ding. You need to go to somewhere different. Um, yep. and you know, you can reach out to us, uh, over social media, and, man, maybe we can help you, uh, discover somewhere that you can, you know, put some meat on your bones and get, get, a, get equipped locally. And but, we've you talked
1: know, about this in the past too, Neil. Um, yeah. I think we have some podcasts on this.
0: Yes, we do. Uh, what is a healthy church? We had a whole series on that. Uh, so let's go to God's word, and then let's kind of figure out what private worship should look like. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I think the best place to go when it, you know, when you're thinking about private worship is Psalm one nineteen. I know that. I oh, think on it.
1: That's where I am right now.
0: Well, great, man. I'm, I great really nice alike, verses, I really want to read verses one through sixteen. The yeah. the aleph and bet. Here we go. How happy are those whose way is blameless. And I'm reading from the Christian standard Bible. How happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes, then I would not be ashamed. When I think about all your commands, I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Never abandon me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I've sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your heart in my your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Lord, may you be blessed. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I proclaim all the judgments from your mouth. I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So we we kind of see some various elements that I think really should inform what private worship should look like um, from the psalmist here. I think one of the first ones we can cue in on together is Bible intake, Bible memorization, and Bible meditation. Why don't, why don't you
1: talk about Bible intake for a minute? Yeah. So, you know, the part of the goal of Bible intake is informational uh, so that you can understand the entirety of of scripture, right? That's why Bible reading plans are useful. Uh, cause it brings you through the entire path uh, to through all of scripture. Um, but it's it's funny you went to Psalm one hundred and nineteen to talk about Bible intake because in ninety seven, uh, it says, "Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are mine forever. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation." I perceive more than the age because I have observed your precepts and then this is where I think Bible intake is also helpful. 101 says I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep your word. Hmm. And and we see that the the Bible intake that you are are you're doing which which involves reading um, bringing getting the Bible inside your head uh one it makes you wise unto salvation. Uh, two it's a lamp unto your feet three it's your daily bread uh and if it's daily bread that means we need to take it in daily right uh because most people don't eat one meal a week uh it's spread out multiple meals throughout the day throughout the week and yeah um
0: yeah bible intake is the process of learning you know back earlier you know verse seven says when i learn." your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Um, This is the, you know, what I, what I talked about, we're in an epidemic of illiteracy and ignorance. This removes ignorance. When we intake God's word, we are made aware of what his judgments are, what his statutes are, um, what he, what he wants for us to know about him. We, we become less and less ignorant of the character of our God. And the more we know him, our desires follow, our behaviors follow, um, or our actions. Uh, We begin to sin less the more we know who our God is
1: and how we should relate to him. So in some sense, there's a a knowledge that informs, but I think also that knowledge uh, transforms. Yes. Right. So we're not reading just to fill our mind with Bible factoids so that when we get invited to Bible trivia in our small group, we, we can crush smash the opponent. Right. <laughs> um, and, and, and I think I've, I've shared this with people before, but you know, I'm a short guy. And when I was in the army, I, uh, physically, I couldn't always crush people, but one thing I could do is I could read the manuals and I could read the, uh, the army regulations and I could crush people with my knowledge. Um, and in that way, if someone were to, you know, approach me and try to, to plus up on me, I'd just crush them with uniform regs or, you know, whatever it took. Whatever uh, the pub and, says. Yeah, whatever the pub says, or, you know, uh, AR 600-9 says this, or 670-1 says that, right? And 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 it was just my way of pride. Uh, so if you're approaching your, your, your Bible reading time, and you're intaking the word, and your goal is I can't wait to share this with so-and-so. Look at this. I just read about a uh, wife, submit to your husbands. I'm going to show my wife this. Yeah. Right? I can't
0: wait to be the Holy Spirit for these people.
1: That's right. Yeah, the <laughs> Lord has made me the Holy Spirit by my information. And, and if that's our approach to this Bible intake, then we, we missed it. We've, we've shot past the mark where um, we're failing our own hearts and our souls uh, through this. But the Bible intake, uh, Bible... Uh, reading Bible, the the Bible itself is the means um, the Holy Spirit delights to use uh, in the transformation of us and uh, leading us to better, um, maybe more faithful walking. And we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, as Neil uh, was saying. We are we're able to distinguish the true from the false. Uh, Jesus says, uh, m- "My sheep hear my voice, uh, and if you're not." regularly reading what God has inspired, then you're going to hear a voice that is not of the Lord, and that's going to lead you astray. And and so that Bible intake is much more than informational. Uh, It's transformational because we want to put it into action, uh, and we're we're intaking it for the greater purpose of delighting in our God. Yeah. In in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle
0: Paul says it this way in chapter 8, Verse one, he says, we all have knowledge, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So when we are reading to be transformed, what it does is it, it helps us to understand the love that has been given to us by our God. And then the love that is meant to be expressed upon others so that this knowledge is governed by love and not governed by pride. So, yeah. uh, love is, you know, one of those I guess, pride checks, (laughs) you know, Um, so Bible intake, let's then let's shift now into memorization for a moment. Uh, Why is memorization so important? You know, just to kind of give a reference point point. In Psalm 119 verse 16, he says, I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. So how do we not forget something? Well, we seek to memorize it, to put it in us, so that we would know what we need to know and navigate in a righteous manner what we need to navigate. uh
1: Matt, what would you say about memorization? i uh, I'm reminded by about uh, reminded of Jesus' parable about the birds and the sower who yeah. spreads the the seed and it hits all these different locations, right? and the the fertile ground receives the soil, grows up and is healthy, etc. And in many ways, I think of my Bible reading as sowing the seed into my heart. Uh, And if I was to sow, uh, if I was a farmer and I was sowing seed, I would not just throw it over top of the ground. I would push it in deep um, and let it then sit in the soil. And that's how it grows. And so I have to do that with the word. I have to embed it uh, into my heart. And the only way that I know how to do it and to keep those birds from from plucking it off the top of the surface of my mind is by uh, digging it down deep by musing on it by meditating on it um, by taking a path a verse uh, and then highlighting each word as I read through it or taking a verse and um, emphasizing each word as I go Uh, and, and I do this often like verse eight it says I shall keep your statutes do not forsake me utterly and and what I usually'll do is I'll I'll read through it and I'll just say I I shall I shall keep I shall keep your I shall keep your statutes I shall keep your statutes do I shall keep your statutes do not I shall keep your statutes do not forsake I shall keep your statutes do not forsake me I shall keep your statutes, do not forsake me utterly. And man, after I've done that once or twice, that thing's stuck in my head for the rest of the day. I'm driving down the road yeah. and someone cuts me off in traffic. And, I, and I'm i like, uh, I shall keep your statutes, do not forsake me utterly. And anyways, that that's just the meditation process. Or memorization process. That's what I mean, memorization. Yeah, and you can
0: also do things like association. You know, if you take verse eight the same way, uh, if I'm trying to memorize it, I may try to associate another word that helps it or gives it a picture so it stays in my head. You know, I might say, I will keep your statutes, uh, never abandon me. Same verse. Uh, what's what's a word that's similar to statutes? I might think of statue. A statue mm. is an immovable, or it, if it's <laughs> if you put it there, you put it there to stay. You know, so I will keep your statutes or statues, and never they never abandon me or never abandon me, um. Yeah. And that that's a one of the ways that I try to
1: make a text sticky for my brain to remember. Yeah, like a sanctified imagination. Uh, you know, when when you say that, I I think of like in some of those old courthouses, which would put the Ten Commandments like up high in a visible place. That's kind of almost imposing. Yeah. And the law is standing there on either side over top of me. And it's a it's an impending weight that I am under. Right. Yes. And it's and not only that, but it's a protection. It's an umbrella. It saves me from um wandering to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And so yeah, so using a sanctified imagination, really digging into the into the passage. You know, the old Puritans would talk about um meditation or memorization um and emphasize the visual and almost even, uh, using all your senses to get that in there. Right. So I'm studying the, um, uh, the, the feeding of the 5,000 and I'm thinking about what it looks like to be on the side of a mountain eating this barley loaf of bread that the Lord had just produced out of nothing, right. Out of fish, out of five loaves and two fish. Right. Um, Seven, that complete number anyways but yeah he he out of nothing he creates this and so i just imagine what it would be like to be with a crowd of people just amazed that this food has been um materialized an ex nihilo almost yeah um and just so you know sitting there hearing his words as i'm munching down on the bread that he has provided and anyways yeah that's how I, I memorize those things and i'll do yeah i'll be like
0: Oh man, what does it look like to sit in a group of a hundred to 150 people eating yeah. and being satisfied as the disciples mm-hmm. bring food to me and all of these other people? You know, I, I just think, you know, when you, when you imagine the, the process, it helps it to get more secured in your brain and in your, and then ultimately your heart, which is kind of the next thing meditation. Now, you know, if you Think of Psalm one nineteen eleven. It says, "I've treasured your word in my heart, so that I would not sin against you." Um, I believe meditation is this process of treasuring, you know, to of hiding it in your heart. Uh, we talked a little bit about this. I, I mean, we've done other podcasts on this stuff as well, but uh, meditation is the process of moving information from your head to your heart and there's loads of ways you can do this um uh, Whitney has you know in his book The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life he gives i think it's like 11 ways uh, to meditate maybe it's more i'm i'm i I haven't read it and I read it like again a couple months ago but so I don't remember exactly but there's some different ways like how does this text uh point me to Jesus Mm. Or what is the characteristic of God in this text to meditate on, right? So if you're meditating on something, um, you know, say Psalm one nineteen one, how happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction? I may be meditating on the Lord's instruction gives, provides the fruit of happiness or blessedness. So I may be, may be meditating on that in a reverse order of the fruit of his instruction is always joy. (laughs) Like God's word is meant to give me joy. It is a joy to know him, you know, thinking about my affections for him, or maybe, maybe it's an application you're meditating on. Maybe the text tells you something to do, uh, to put off, to put on, and you're thinking specifically about how do I do that? You know? And you're meditating on that text, uh, trying to hide that in your heart. So, so you, so you would be transformed ultimately.
1: I, I like Luther's, uh, four strands of prayer, uh, that he wrote to his barber. And, um, you know, I use the acronym ITCP and I stands for instruction. So as I read the text that I'm meditating on, I'm looking for what instruction is there. Um, You know that verse eleven, your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, there's there's an instruction there for me that Mm -hmm. I need to be treasuring God's word in my heart. Uh, So I I just I start to pray over that. I start thinking about it. Okay, how do I do that? What does that look like? What's the purpose of it? Uh, But then the T stands for Thanksgiving. You know, God, I thank you that you've even given me your word at all. Uh, You know, imagine what it would have been like you know, before the word of the Lord came to his people. Right. And then, so I thank him for that. I thank him that he that I ha- I have and will um, C stands for confession. You know, God, I've not been good about doing this. I've really failed at treasuring your word in my heart. Uh, and then P is, of course, my petition. God, help me to hide your word in my heart or I help me to not sin, not against, sin you. against you. Right. Yeah. That'll help me not. So anyways, but that's, that's for me kind of just a pattern that I like to use. So it's I T C P, uh, instruction, Thanksgiving, confession, and petition. Yeah. Uh, and I just, man, that's so easy. Like, almost every passage that you read can become a, a source of deep meditation, a deep well that you can just draw forth the bounty yeah. of the Lord.
0: And, and just to kind of add some, uh, uh, guide rails, um, when we read, when we do Bible intake, we read big, so say a whole chapter, but we meditate small. So you are you you don't want to, oh, I'm going to meditate on a whole chapter or whatever. Maybe, it, maybe you can do that if it's in a story form or whatever, but you want to get in the weeds on something to hide in your heart, especially as the Holy Spirit brings that out in front of you and says, man, here's how you need to change, or here's what you need to know about your God, or here's the sin this exposes in your life, or... You know, whatever, and that that's where you want to hunker down around on throughout the process of your day. Um,
1: go ahead, and what you can do with your um, your pastor sermon, if he's a good expositor that brings the um, the main meaning of the text out in like a, a pregnant sentence, you know, use that sentence to meditate on that passage, yeah. right? And and that can also be a very um, rich source of, of help for you. Yeah. Like,
0: uh, I preached on first Timothy six, three through 10 last week, but one of the things I did for verse three, uh, it talks about sound teaching, uh, the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ that produces godliness. And so I, I pulled out three identifiers for sound teaching just from that, you know, that verse of like sound teaching means it's always in unity with the teaching of Jesus Christ. There's no contradictions happening, uh, sound teaching. It maintains purity of the gospel. Um, sound teaching always promotes godliness. Like here's three identifiers for, you know, this one verse, you know, and that, how did I get there in a sermon in sermon development Well, was from meditating on the text. <laughs> so, yeah. um, this this goes and feeds into all of these other areas for, for the purpose of holiness and godliness. That's what all this is about, by the way. Why do we do private worship? So that we would become more godly. So that we would glorify God more than we currently are. Um, that's why you were created, in fact. Uh, that is your purpose in life. So, um, So that's the first component of private worship, which is all around God's word. The second component is that of prayer. So, um, you know, I, I I would say it this way, despite an active, you know, to think back on our savior, Jesus, despite this active public ministry that Jesus has, he took significant blocks of time to go and pray by himself. And so if we are following Jesus, then we're, modeling the same behaviors that, uh, that uh, of our savior. And so we
1: need to block off time and pray. One of the, uh, interesting things about the Lord's prayer is that it, Jesus does not put the words in individual language, but in corporate language. Yeah. Right. I uh, give us this day, our daily bread, and, you know, when you pray, pray like this, our father, all right. And, and so there needs to be a heavy level of consideration. You know, am I praying with others and those around me, um, you know, with my wife and those nearest me? And, you know, Neil, I think you hit it on the head. You know, our Lord, um, fully God, fully man, spent time out of a very tight time frame out of, you know, he had three years on this earth to to do what he came to do. He's been a good portion staying up all night praying. He's you know, he's been a good portion getting away uh just to pray. Yeah. Uh and and so prayer is a, a form of refreshment. You know, we talked about praying uh through the word, using the word as a yeah, as a, um, as yeah, as a source of prayer and that probably should be our highest um or maybe majority of our time. Uh, but there needs to be also a time of intercession for others uh and And frankly, you know, I have to be organized, otherwise I don't do it. Um, I have a a church directory. I've taken a picture of every page, and each day I pray for the families in that directory. Yeah, Uh, And, and, uh, you know, I think it's Piper that goes, or John Piper that goes from uh, inner circle to outer circle. So he'll pray for, like, concerns of his own, pray for the concerns of his wife, pray for the concerns of his kids pray for the concerns of his church, pray for the concerns of his city, state, country, and just outwardly moving that way. And so having some form of a regular intercession before the Lord. Um, another thing is reminders. I have little um, like sticky notes or little cards to remind me to pray for things. You know, um, in the back of my Bible, I have my our missionary, um, one of those little prayer uh, cards. And it just, it's in my Bible uh, flipping through and it pops up and I pray. Yeah. And I would add, man, this is a great, um,
0: if you deal with fear or anxiety or worry, this is a great uh, way to combat some of that. You know, Paul Tripp made this graphic once that I found was really helpful regarding anxiety. And he, he kind of has an inner circle and outer circle, like what Matt's describing from Piper, but it says area of responsibility, area of concern, and I found that helpful in governing the way I pray. Like, what am I immediately responsible for uh, from God? I'm going to pray over those things. And then in, instead of trying to control these things I'm concerned about, uh, prayer uh, shows my dependence on the Lord to be sovereign and control all of those things that I may be concerned about that I don't have the capacity to control. And so I I like um, uh, weaponize <laughs> my fear, uh, in a positive manner by saying, okay, Lord, you are in control of city, state government, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, my relationship with in-laws, you know, or my, uh, you know, these, these other people in my life that I'm, I'm not responsible for. And so I trust you, but I'm still going to pray for those things um and and trust you in those things so prayer prayer reflects a dependent heart, and uh man we 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 don't pray enough, <laughs> we don't think about praying enough um uh, so let your let the scriptures govern your prayer, but also think about this in a, in the inner circle and in an outer circle. What am I responsible for? What am I not responsible for, but I may be concerned about and offer both of those things to the Lord
1: who is in control. And, and the other thing about prayer is it helps fan into flame, um, our affections for the Lord and, yeah. and for, even for others. Uh, you know, so when I'm regularly reading through my directory and praying uh, for my people, uh, and I'm thinking about the last time I shook their hand as they left the church or as what they were looking like when I was preaching messages, um, it really makes me more affectionate towards them because they are regularly on my mind, um you know same thing with my kids and my wife and uh but ultimately my my Bible reading, the information that I gather the the knowledge of god that that's provided in it, um and then I take that into prayer, it fans into flame my love for my lord, and i I've re- found that. If I if I don't pray often or regularly or continually, I find myself to becoming dead and brittle and dried out, um, and and um, so it's not a duty or a chore. I mean, it's such a delight because it it refreshes the soul. It, it brings me into more of a, um, a joyful relationship with Him and. And I, and I just think we neglect that because we're so busy trying to check uh, check the block off our reading plan or, uh, you know, for those people who do do reading plans, uh, they're, they're so busy trying to mark off their achievement, um, they miss the beauty of, of spending time with the Lord. Yeah,
0: and so that's the second component of private worship that we would offer you. And then there's a third and final component that I think... Um, is the most neglected component for sure. Uh, it's something I've been challenged by recently and, and tried to make into a strength. And it's, let me tell you, it's awkward and people look at you like you're crazy. (laughs) If they come in, you know, if someone comes into your private realm of worship, uh, or walks by you or whatever, and that is singing to God, uh, his praises, you know, and, in Psalm 119, verse 7, it it starts with, I will praise you with an upright heart. And then, of course, we understand that the nature of a psalm is a song (laughs) to sing. And so all of the instruction we find in the Psalms is meant to be sung out loud. And uh, man, we too are meant to sing praises to God. You know, Jonathan Edwards, Really emphasize this in a lot of his writings um, that 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 this is a part of letting the word of God uh, in in Christ richly dwell in you. It's by singing out loud. And so, you know what what does it look like
1: for you, Matt, to sing the praises of God in private worship? I want to throw one more scripture in there: Colossians three sixteen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual Spiritual songs, songs, singing with gratefulness in your hearts to God. And um, thanks for adding. I was referencing it, but thanks for reading it all the way out. I just wanted to read it all the way out because, um, you know, in your hearts, gratefulness in your hearts to God. And um, so, you know, how do I do that? Well, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a good singer. I don't have any musical talent. Um, I, you know, my kids for some reason are able to play instruments. I just, I can't, um, but I have a, um, a hymn book. It has in the back tunes that I'm familiar with. So one tune is Ode to Joy. And I look at the back and it tells me what hymn is set to that tune. I go find that hymn, um, or a Psalm, you know, um, there's the Psalms of grace and hymns of grace by, um, a grace community church. They've produced those, and it's a really helpful tool. And I'll just and I'll sing that mute that those songs, um, whether it's good or not. Uh, and I'll tell you, uh, that is transformative to my uh, personal life. Um it was it was funny, I was talking to somebody, or maybe I was writing about I don't remember but I was communicating this that when we had a a big storm and it damaged one of our modular buildings that my office was in and a lot of my stuff got wet and it was just a big mess Um, the kids and I had been singing scripture verses and it was about rejoicing always and as I was cleaning up this big mess and trying to assess the loss I was just singing rejoice always rejoice always and man that that transform my response to the situation. I wasn't bitter I wasn't angry I wasn't a grump face um, but I was joyful in the Lord even in the midst of the storm and, and we see that with Paul and Silas in in prison uh, in Philippi right they're they're shackled in the basement and they're singing songs to Jesus uh, as they're in prisons right so so there's just so many ways that this is valuable um but for me the best way, uh, get an old hymn book or a new hymn book or, or whatever you need a songbook, and and sing. Uh, you know, and one more one more caveat. So I was trying to I was talking to my kids and say, like, Hey, you want to hear some songs that Daddy used to sing growing up? And I went on Shane and, Sh- uh, Shane and Shane's uh, little album, and I clicked on it, and it was like vintage, and I felt like I got hit by a, a ton of bricks because the my '90s worship songs were vintage, and my kids all <laughs> laughed at me. But but yeah. Um, you know, even like old silly songs that used to sing, our God is an awesome God, you know, it's, it's a good song, but you know, is it him worthy? I, you know, I don't know, but it, it, it refreshed my soul because I'm thinking, I'm singing just these worship songs to my Lord and spiritual songs, spiritual songs. I'm, I'm digressing, but yeah. yeah, that's what it looks like for me. So in the morning, um, I pray, I read my texts, um, and I read a little devotional thing, and then I sing uh, either a hymn or a song. You know, what we? one of the things that we've tried in our family worship, uh, or not even in our family worship, just before a meal, we've started singing a hymn uh, with the kids. And, you know, my kids love that, because in school, they're always singing hymns before different events. So it's been and good I, for them. I would add, too, singing helps reorientate your desires.
0: Um, oftentimes, we... <laughs> We uh, really struggle with what we should desire. And um, you know, James 4 says what what's the source of wars and quarrels among you? It's that your passions rage against themselves in you. Um, and you think about um even First Timothy six, when he, t- he talks about the false teachers who are uh, saying that godliness is to produce material gain. Well, he's exposing what their desire is. That they have these weird cravings, these bizarre cravings uh, for power and and for material gain, um, and so, man, like it's so easy to let your desires to be ungoverned by God's word. Uh, you forsake them. You pursue these things that are harmful and destructive that throw you into ruin. And man, what singing does is it helps retrain our desires upon our Lord and retrain our affections upon Him. You know, when I give my kids a job, for instance, uh, several years ago, I told my oldest son, Michael, to go pick up all the dog poop in the backyard. That's not a fun job, right? Mike Mike Rowe would call that a dirty job, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and Michael was out there picking up dog crap, and uh, he says, he starts singing, nothing but the blood. You know, he's out there, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And he's picking up poop. But in the midst of him doing that, like he had a smile on his face. It it, like changed the way that he viewed his circumstance, the way that he viewed his job. And, uh, you know, it's just I was delighting as I could hear him outside my office, you know, praising the Lord, even as he's engaging in a mundane work. And uh, tune my heart to sing thy praise. That's right. And so, man, this, this is what singing does, man. It reframes, it reorientates, and it helps us no matter what the task is ahead of us that we are engaged in. It helps us to delight in our God. And, uh, man, the, we, we, we need to discipline ourselves in that, in that good, um, good act, uh, of singing praises to God. Uh, so man, this is private worship, and it it feeds into the other two spheres of worship that we have talked about, uh, and the others feed into this. And so, man, if you have found yourself thinking, man, I'm just ignorant about, and I don't say that in an, in a tremendous negative connotation, but you just like, man, I just don't know. I'm just ignorant of the things of God. Man, this is this is a weapon to make you sharp. And, uh, man, engage in it, incorporate it in your life. Think about how you are praying, how you're intaking God's word and how you are singing his praises continually. And if you find there's an area you're weak in, man, uh, work diligently in that space, uh, so that, man, you would, um, not wonder from the Lord's commands that you would not sin against the Lord, that you would proclaim his excellencies and his judgments with your mouth, um, that you would be a man or woman who meditates on the precepts and thinks about the ways of God, Um, you will glorify him more, and you will lead better, and you will steward better, and you will be more like Jesus over the course of your life the more you do these things. So that's our encouragement. That kind of wraps up our series. You got any save rounds or counter
1: counter? Nope, not at all, man. I I would just say if you're finding yourself uh, burnt out, dried out, weary, worn um, day to day, uh, maybe you're struggling with anger, fear, you know, you name it. This um, practice will make you a better worshiper of the Lord throughout the whole day, rather than, trying to fight it, uh, either in your own dried out strength and, Mm. um, let your morning um, songs be sung to the Lord. That's right. That's a great word. Well, guys, we thank you for
0: listening to the gospel lifeline podcast until next time, Neil and Matt, we out.